Well, I'll tell you what, if you got Buddy the Elf on a therapist's couch and you were trying to kind of psychoanalyze him and figure out what was going on deep down inside, you would find out that he's searching for two things. As we know, he's searching for a father, right? He finds out in the movie, he finds out that he was adopted and this sends him on a hunt to find his real dad. And you know what's interesting is some of you guys, without even realizing it, are on a similar hunt. Maybe you're not looking for an actual father, but you're looking for some of the things that a good dad provides. A few of the things that kind of come out of a really good father. Let me give you some examples. You know the security you feel when you're near a good father? Like that's what some of us are on the hunt for in life right now. You know the faithfulness that a good dad has, like that dad that's just rooting for you every day, doesn't matter what's going on, he's cheering for you. Maybe you have had a father like that, maybe you have one now, or maybe you don't at all, and I think we're all on the hunt for that kind of faithfulness. Another thing I think we're looking for, kind of a fatherly characteristic, is sacrificial love, you know, just somebody who's willing to lay their life on the line for us, somebody that's willing to do whatever they have to do for us, and some of you guys are on that hunt right now. Some of you guys are looking for something else I think Buddy is looking for. I think he's looking for a peace, you know? Like, just think about it. Maybe you've never thought it this way because you don't psychoanalyze fictitious Christmas characters like I do, but maybe you never thought of it, but what's Buddy up to, man? He lives in a place where there's 365 days of Christmas magic. He lives in a place where he is loved. He lives in a place where he has all his toys, right? And there are many of us who, man, life's okay, man. We got our hardships. We've got stuff going on, but you know what? We're loved, right? We're living in a place where maybe we find some joy. We've got some toys, whether it's a new car or a new phone or a video game system or a new wardrobe or whatever it is you're driving tonight, right? We've got some stuff. And so isn't it interesting, though, that there's still a part of us that's longing for more, right? That's searching for some type of peace, that's hungering for something more than we have right now. And I think sometimes when we're lacking peace, it leads to a few things. It leads to restlessness, you know? Like you can't be quiet too long. You can't be still too long because the activity kind of drowns out the pain or the things that you really don't want to be paying attention to and thinking about, right? And so it leads to a lack of peace, leads to kind of a, a restlessness in life, right? I think something else it leads to is just like an emptiness. I just, I feel nothing inside. You know what? I've been there. I have gone through that. I have walked that path. It is hard, you know? Some of you guys, man, you just have this anxiety, fear thing going on right now. And man, it's just the worst thing in the world. It's so difficult. And I got to say, I've been there also. But for sometimes, it's just like you, you just sit and you catastrophize that everything that could go wrong will go wrong at the same exact time. And everything is going to be a mess, right? And so you're searching for peace. What if the father we're searching for and the peace we're searching for, along with Buddy, what if these things can be found in the story of Christmas? in the Savior who came for you and me. You see, I think what's sad is some of us have decided, you know what, I never had that fatherly relationship. I never had the person who would be faithful, the person who would sacrificially love, the person that was always fighting for me. I never had that, and maybe I just can never find anything like that in this life. And so we've given up on some of that. Maybe some of us have decided, you know what, I have never had peace. I've, I've just always kind of had the pit in my stomach. I've always had the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the restlessness, the emptiness. And I don't know that that's ever going to go away. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what, I used to have peace. I don't know what happened, but something took place. And man, I've just been kind of freaking out lately, and I can't seem to get myself right. I got to tell you, I don't think it's God's will. Please hear me loud and clear. I don't think it's God's will that you and I go through life without the security 
of a, a good dad, a good father, the faithfulness of a good dad, the sacrificial love of a good dad. I don't think God calls you and I to walk through life without peace. And so we're going to discover that these two things exist in the story of Christmas, and they're wrapped up in what God offers you and offers me. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I believe that God has these things for you too. And I would guess you're here tonight and you're, you're chasing some of the same stuff that the rest of us are struggling with, right? Some of you guys have some of the same issues that I've brought up. And I want you to see tonight the love of God. And I also want you to see all that he has done to do something for you you didn't deserve, you didn't earn, and you never could. And so we're going to work our way through some verses tonight that I hope will challenge you. And last week we kicked off looking in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be in this for this Christmas series. We're going to wrap that part up next week. And in Isaiah chapter 9, we discover something about Isaiah. We discover that he is this man of God. This guy was close to God. He was used by God. He was probably top 20 in all the people who have ever lived and people that God used in powerful ways. You remember the message we, we talked about last week was this. Isaiah was looking at the nation of Judah. And he was saying, guys, you're getting far from God. Israel did that. They got far from God. And, and things didn't go well. Judah, you still have time. Please come back. Please don't turn away from God. Some of you guys are in church tonight just to hear me say, if you're in a bad place, turn back to God tonight. You, you don't have to worry about the rest of the message. You don't have to worry about the stuff we're going to talk about. Because for you, all you needed to hear, the reason you're sitting in the seats tonight is because God's trying to get a hold of your attention. Come back. Come back. You've been far. Come back. He loves you. He wants you. Some of you, that's all you need to hear tonight. But for the rest of us, Isaiah is telling Judah, please... Turn back to God sooner than later. You don't need to go through a time of discipline like Israel did, right? And I gotta tell you, you might object to discipline and say, why would God discipline anybody? Because he's a good God, because he's a good parent, right? I don't know about any of you here in the room. I grew up in a spanking household, man. I got, I got more spankings than I can count, and I deserved every last one of them. I was a bit of a troublemaker. I remember one time in particular, my mom told me something I did was wrong, go up in the room and I'll be up there in a, in a minute to spank you. And I remember turning around at her and saying, why don't you just kill me? You know, not too dramatic or anything, right? But you know what? I'm thankful as I look back at my good parents who disciplined me. And I wasn't like 15 getting spankings, okay? Then I was getting grounded and I was getting, you know, you couldn't hang out with this friend or that friend. And I'm thankful for the discipline in my life because it pulled me back from things that would have killed me and made me far from God. And God does the same thing. He looks at you and I. He looks at the nation of Judah. And he says, guys, I've got so much better for you than this. I will discipline you because I love you if I have to. But I would so much rather you just return to me the easy way. Some of you need to return to Jesus the easy way tonight. But for the rest of us in the room, we're going to look at this message of hope. Isaiah gives this intense word, but then he speaks hope to the people. He prophesies 750 years in the future, and we read the first part of this last week. He says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, right? In the midst of him saying these intense things, these kind of scary things, he says, wait guys, wait, I just want to let you know, in the midst of it all, there is hope coming, a son is coming, Jesus is coming, a rescuer is coming for you and for me. And then we looked at two names and characteristics of Jesus last week, right? Two things that Jesus would be called or known for. And the first is wonderful counselor, and the second is mighty God. And I pray, in this past week, some of you guys ran to the wonderful counselor because you need wisdom. 
You need to hear from God. You're trying to figure out life, direction, marry this person, don't, go there, do this, career, school, education, kids, grand. You're trying to figure all this stuff out, money, health, all this different stuff, but it's so big. I pray some of you went to the wonderful counselor this past week, Jesus, and said, Jesus, I need to hear from you on this because I don't want to make the wrong decision. I need you to lead and direct me. And I pray those of you who needed the mighty God this past week because the addiction's too heavy for you or the divorce is too heavy for you or the breakup's too heavy for you or the financial situation's too heavy for you, I pray that you went to the mighty God and said, God, here's how I need you and here's what I'm desperate for right now. Tonight, we're gonna look at two more names or characteristics of Jesus. And so the next part of this is a little confusing, but stick with me because it's powerful. And I think some of you are looking for this. The next part is this, everlasting father. Isaiah tells us he's going to be called, Jesus is going to be called the everlasting father. And we go, wait, 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 okay. So there's God the father, right? There's God the son and there's God the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, I don't know how we could be calling Jesus the everlasting father, right? Because look at what it says here. Let's read the whole verse in its context. For, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. And so this verse, calling somebody the everlasting father is about Jesus. Wow. How does this play out? How does this work out? I don't know about you. I've heard for many, many years that that great song that was written out of of these verses. And every time they sang everlasting father, when I was younger, I used to think, oh, that's talking about God the father. But no, no, no. Jesus is the son that came. He's the child of the king. So how can he be the everlasting father? What does it look like that he's that to us? I'm going to give you a couple answers. And I think the third one's going to hit you right where you live, right in the heart. And so I think the first way that he can be the everlasting father is, you know how sometimes in life we hear someone called the father of this or the father of that? Usually it's the creator or the initiator or the caretaker of something. I'll give you a couple of examples. You guys can look up at the screen. This is Ralph Baer. He's the father of video games. That's how he's known. He created the first video game console. Some of you owe your entire existence to this man right here. And some of you got nowhere in life because of this man right here, right? Look at the next guy here. This is... Let's see, what's his name? I lost it here. Walter Chauncey Camp. He's the father of American football. This guy was a player, a coach, a sports writer. He came up with a line of scrimmage, the sets of downs, and so he's known as the father of American football. This guy, I love this name, Luis Jacques Mondé Daguerre. You like that? He is one of the fathers of photography, which please call me that from now on. I'm going how I'm going to be known. But him and four other guys were known as the fathers of, a, of, a, of a photography, of modern, you know, picture taking and editing and all this kind of stuff. I mean, they kicked it off, right? Everywhere we've gotten. Now, this next guy is known as the father of handsomeness. That's who this next guy is. And so you guys can go ahead and check this next picture out. And so I love that me talking about myself being handsome is the joke of 2019. Like that? Thank you so much for that. All right. But think about it. Jesus is known as the father of Judah the father of of Israel. He's the creator or the caretaker or the sustainer. So that's one way that Jesus is the eternal father. But another way he's this everlasting father is his reign would never end, right? Like Jesus' term never came up. When he died, nobody took his place. He rose back from the dead and his reign continues. But but here's where I think it's going to hit you and me in the heart. You see, I think Jesus becomes this everlasting father to us because he portrays and, and, and really catapults and, and pours out on you and me the characteristics of a really great father. 
Have you ever had a father in your life that wasn't really your father? You just called them almost like a father figure. They, they weren't flesh and blood. Maybe they, weren't even, maybe they were or weren't your adopted parent. They're just somebody you looked up to and you're like, wow, you know, I've got a great dad or maybe I don't have a great dad, but I'll tell you, that person right there has been very fatherly to me. What does that mean? It means that they've poured out these characteristics we're going to look at. They, they, they've poured out a couple of things. You know what they poured out? The security you should feel when you're around a good father. You see, Jesus is that to you and me. When, when you're near Jesus, and some of you have experienced this, like when you feel him, it's one thing to know him, it's one thing to hear about him, but to actually feel his presence, there is a security that accompanies that that you can't find anywhere else. One time, Kelly and I were being prayed for by somebody that really was just close to Jesus. Like, you know those people, you're like, wow, this person, man, Jesus must have been over at their house last night for dinner because, man, they're just so close, you know? And so this guy's praying for Kelly and I. We just felt God so close. And I remember, it's probably about 10 years ago, I just remember feeling so close to Jesus in that moment that I literally just uttered under my breath because I didn't want the guy praying to hear it. Like, Jesus, like, I will do anything you want. I will go anywhere you want. See, here's what was so interesting is the security led to surrender, right? Feeling secure led me to surrender those things in my life that I normally would have hung on to. Now, I just want to stay here. I want to do what I want. And I want my plan. And, but in that moment, I felt so safe in the hands of God. It was like, just do with my life what you want. And some of us are hanging on to some stuff and we're like, I'll probably never let this go. I'm never going to let that struggle go. I'm never going to be obedient in this or that. I'll tell you what, when you find the security of Jesus, the everlasting Father, watch how you begin to surrender those areas of your life that you've been hanging on to so much, right? I think the next thing we're looking for in this everlasting Father, Jesus, is the faithfulness a good father possesses. The faithfulness. That he is there rooting for us, fighting for us every step of the way. Now, I've got two kids here in the room tonight, and I have said this to them before, and so I'll say it to you. I hope they don't take my advice, but they'll just know it's true, is that we've literally looked our kids in the face and said, look, we love you. We want you to follow God's way. We want you to make great decisions, and we hope that we are raising you to do so. But if you ever find yourself making the worst possible decision you can make, just know that we still love you. Like, we still have you. We're going to be fighting for you no matter what. You could come back through this, this do the door of this house, and you could tell us you did X, Y, or Z, and we are still going to be faithful in our love towards you. I don't know if you have somebody like that in your life, but that's who the everlasting Father, Jesus, is. This characteristic of him just saying, hey, I'm still here. I'm still here. You're ready to give up. You thought you did too much. Yeah, yeah, I know what you did last week. I know what happened over Thanksgiving break. I know what you did right before you came home from the end of the semester and that stupid decision you make. And I know what you did. I know what you did in the, in the business, you know, this past year. I know you weren't quite doing things above reproach. I, I know what happened. I know what you've been looking at. I know how you've been talking. I know who you've been hanging out with. But I'm still here. The everlasting Father, the faithful Father. And you may have been unfaithful yesterday, but God, Jesus specifically, is still faithful today, right? The other thing I think we're looking for in this everlasting Father is that sacrificial love. Is this love that, wow, we just kind of go, man, it just keeps on pouring out on us. There's this sacrifice that this person's willing to make. And Jesus made this incredible sacrifice for you and me. I, I'm blessed with a great earthly dad. My father is an amazing guy. I'm so thankful for him. And as I think about his life 
and, and, and my life with him as my dad, I think about sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice that he's made for me and for our family. And, and I could tell you all different kinds of sacrifices he made, but the one that kind of probably was the first earliest memory I have of this, and this is really a small thing in comparison to all that he's done, but one night he decided, or one day rather, he decided that he was going to replace a skylight in our den, okay? Now my dad and I have the same disease. It's called thinking you can do more in the time allotted than you actually can, okay? And the name of that disease is actually called being a man, okay? But, but we won't talk about that now, right? And so I remember him just taking this skylight out, kicking it out, right? He's like going. I remember his legs dangling from the ceiling. I'm just a little kid looking up at the skylight, and he's hanging out on the roof. And he is working hard, flashing and shingles and nails and screws and new skylight and doing this whole thing. But, but man, it just didn't happen in the time he had allotted for it. And it starts getting dark, and it starts getting cold, and it starts getting buggy out. And I'm just standing there, and I'm just, wow, Dad's still going. Like, Dad's still going. Like, he's not stopping tonight. He's not going to let that roof stay open because who knows if the cold's going to come in or bugs are going to come in or animals are going to come in or some bad guy's going to come in, right? But, man, Dad's finishing what he started. And, man, it was, I, I remember just falling asleep to hearing the hammer hit the nails because he was going to finish what he started. And if it took sacrifice, he was going to do it for his family. And I want to tell you that Jesus finishes what he starts. He came as a child, Right? That's what we celebrate right now. He came at Christmas, but eventually he would be on the other end of the hammer and nails, right? He, he would be the one whose hands and feet are being pierced by nails, and he finished what he started with a sacrificial love for you and me. And if you're looking for that characteristic of a father, then, man, Jesus is that to you and is that to me. So are you looking for the everlasting father today? Is that how you re- need to relate to Jesus right now? Is that what your, your heart is set on? That, oh man, if I could only find somebody who was faithful. If I could only find somebody who would sacrifice for me no matter what. If only I could find security that doesn't even make sense. You need to run to the everlasting Father, Jesus. The next part of the verse says this, Prince of Peace. Jesus will be called the Prince of Peace. Of peace. Now there's two ways he's, that he's the Prince of Peace. At least two ways. There's probably more, but, but let's start with number one. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I need you to listen up. And if you are a follower of Jesus, stick with me too. But basically, what Jesus would do is he would make peace between us and God. He would make peace between us and God because we're sinful people and we've done a lot of wrong in our lives, haven't we? And we've said things that are wrong, done things that are wrong, touched things that are wrong, thought things that are wrong, experienced things that are wrong, gone gone to wrong places, right? And so we needed someone to make peace between us and God because God is just, right? Like if you and I walked out into the parking lot tonight and somebody else was getting beat up by several people, there would be a sense of justice that rise up in you and me. That's a good and godly thing. And we'd run over and we would fight those guys off and protect that innocent person that was getting beat up, right? And that's the justice in us. And there's a justice in God. When he sees sin, he can't just kind of turn away. That would be like you and I walking right past the poor person getting beat up in the parking lot. He's got to do something about it, right? But somebody, somebody instead paid the price that you and I deserved, right? Jesus came. You see, Jesus came to make peace between us and God. When I was about 11 years old, I was playing basketball at my old church with some friends. About, you know, I don't know, 10 of us are playing and there's like all of a sudden, I don't know if you've ever been in a gym where like the older kids came in, but we're in the gym, we're playing, all the older kids came in, they're like, get out, just kick this out, right? And then all of a sudden, I hear this one guy go, wait, Jansen, you stay, right? And now these guys knew my dad, they didn't know me, 
My dad's six foot eight, amazing basketball player. He could dunk till he was 60 years old, pretty legit. Now, I'm 5'11", sometimes six foot, depending on the day. And, uh, you know, I can't play basketball well. I really wanted to. I tried. It just didn't work out. And so I'm out on the court, and I'm a mess, and things are bad. And eventually, I get off the court, and, and my friend, who was initially playing basketball with us, came up to me. He goes, hey, Doug, yo, man, you better watch your back. I'm like, Why? He's like, well, all of our friends that were playing basketball before the big kids came in, they're mad that those guys chose you because they're all better than you. And they know they only chose you because they knew your dad. And so you better watch out because some of them said they're going to beat you up. And I'm like freaking out, man. I'm like a little 11-year-old kid like walking around in the church. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like rubbing my hair through my mullet. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just freaking out about what might possibly happen next. And I got home and there was my group of friends. They got bats and chains. No, I made that part up. I, I, I go home, and you know, what, you know what happened? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. You know why? Because somebody made peace between me and them. I don't know who it was. I don't know if my dad got wind of it. I don't know if the friend, it was probably the friend who warned me. And just said, leave Doug alone. You know what? Jesus went to the Father and said, leave Doug alone. Leave them alone. But here's the thing. He didn't just say it like my friend probably did. He took the beating I deserved, right? Jesus didn't just approach his father and say, you know, we should really leave those people alone. I mean, come on, let's, let's have some compassion. And he said, no, I love these people. And so you give me the beating. In fact, you murder me in their place. And so God made peace between you and him. Jesus specifically is the prince of peace because he made peace for you with God. But there's another way he's also the prince of peace to us. You see, some of you guys know the emotion of peace, the feeling of peace. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's when, it's when there's not knots in your stomach. There's, there's not the restlessness and the emptiness and all the things I talked about before. There's not tremendous fear. And you could even be going through something really difficult, but you're kind of okay. And there's a peace, Right? But aren't there times where we don't have the emotion of peace, right? And we begin to doubt if Jesus really is the Prince of Peace after all. And we begin to wrestle through, well, what do I do right now? I don't feel at peace. I don't feel and have the emotion of rest. I, I do have knots in my stomach. I don't feel at rest. Well, here's what I want to say first of all. I think the emotion of peace is a beautiful thing. I think the, the feeling of calmness and peace is beautiful. Pray for it, ask God for it, fruit of the Spirit is peace. I believe he'll produce it in our lives. But you know what so often we do? We wait for that feeling to trust the Prince of Peace. We wait for that emotion to take a step toward the Prince of Peace. We wait for this, you know, almost experience before we will say, okay, God, I'm going to trust that you have me, and I'm going to trust. We, we instead, we, we keep asking and saying, okay, I'm not okay until you give me that feeling, God, right? But man, maybe it's more than that. I do believe it is, it is a feeling, it is an emotion, but maybe it's even more than that. Rebecca Lyons is a, a Christian author and speaker, and she was flying around the world telling people about Jesus, speaking at conferences and churches and all this great stuff, until one day she gets on a plane like any other day, and she has the anxiety attack of all anxiety attacks. She freaks out. She becomes paralyzed, can't move, can't speak, just bugs out on this plane, and for a year and a half is a shell of what she was. And she starts 
trying to figure out what just happened. She just moved to New York City. She's married. She's got a husband. She's got kids. She's doing this ministry. What's going on? And so she begins to just kind of fight it out with God. God, what's going on in my life? She couldn't leave her house. She became completely scared to even open up the front door and walk out onto the city street. And so she was like a recluse for much of this time. And she begins to just seek God. Jesus, deliver me from this. Rescue me from this. Help me with this. Free me from this. Fill me with your peace again. Fill me, God. And she's fighting it out with scripture. She's fighting it out in prayer. She's fighting it out in worship. And eventually, kind of like David says in the Psalms, that you reached down and pulled me out of my miry pit. She says, there was a day, there was a moment where God just lifted me out of all my anxiety and my fear. And then she thought, wow, I've got to tell everybody about this. I've got to tell everybody what Jesus did for me. Only problem was that meant she'd have to get on a plane, right? She'd have to fly around the world to tell people. But on that plane was where this all started. On that plane is where she kind of lost everything in the first place. And so she's freaking about, out about trying to get back on a plane so that she can go tell people about the peace that God has now given her. And the question is, will she wait in her home in New York City until she feels the emotion of peace about getting on a plane and being used by God? Or will she submit to the fact that he is the Prince of Peace regardless of what she's feeling in the moment? And that's exactly what she does. She gets on a plane and she takes out her ear pods. She puts them in her ear. She begins to worship God. She takes out the scriptures. She's reading the word of God. She's praying. And she says this. She says this. This is how I talk to God. She says, you are my peace. So I submit to that. I come under your covering of peace. I don't need you to give me enough peace to get through this flight. I'm just going to submit that you are my peace. And then she says this, taking that role of submission under that, I felt covered. I felt protected. I had several go-to scriptures I would read. I was flooded with peace. So even when she didn't have the emotion of peace, she understood who Jesus was, the Prince of Peace. And she surrendered to that. And after that came the emotion of peace, right? After that came the feeling of peace. And I just wonder if there's anyone here in the room tonight that is going, man, I, I long to just be at rest again. Guys, I got to tell you, life's hard, man. We all got stuff going on. We wish it wasn't going on. But are you going to wait for all that to be gone until you trust Jesus as the Prince of Peace? Are you going to wait for that emotion? Or are you going to right now, right here tonight, say, Jesus, I don't get it. I my knots in stomachs, but I know that you are my peace. And you promised to remain that. And now... I've just got to walk in what you already are to me, right? I got to take a step in what you already are to me. My son Landon, when he was real little, we were at a Mets game, top, top deck city field, man, the cheap seats, way up high. And we got done with the game. Of course, they lost. And so we, we walked down and began to go down the stairways. And I don't know if you've been to city field, but most stadiums are built like this where you can see out as you're walking out, like most of them have a wall, but it only comes up to about here. And sometimes there's even a hole in the bottom, a little gap. And you can kind of see like, oh my gosh, I'm like hundreds of feet up in the air and the parking lot's way down there. And so Landon is suddenly beginning to freak out. And I've never seen anything physically like it, but his legs started shaking every step he took. His legs were physically shaking. And I went over to him and I, I grabbed his hand and I said, buddy, you grab the railing, I got you, and we're going to walk these 7,243 steps right now. And you know what? Every single step, he was still shaking, all the way down, 
to the floor, but he took every step with me. Guys, I was his peace in that moment. I was his security. I wasn't going to let anything happen to him. And I would whisper to him, buddy, it's okay. We got this. We're going to get there. We're going to walk all the way down these stairs. We'll be in the car soon. It's going to be okay, right? What did Landon have to do? He just had to walk in who I already was to him. He just had to take my hand and not let go and say, I don't feel the emotion of peace right now, but I know if you're saying that everything's going to be okay, then I can take the step. I can take another one then. And 7,241 happened and 7,240 happened and we worked our way all the way down those steps because he trusted that I had him, that I would never allow anything to happen to my boy, I would never let him trip. I would never let him fall. My grip on him was so secure. And what he felt in the moment didn't really matter. What he knew to be true was that I had him. I had a friend in college who was talking about how she was just going through hard times. She said, man, I just feel like I have no peace. And my other friend looked her in the eyes and said, do you know that at the end of this, everything's going to be okay and God's in control? She said, yeah. He said, then you do have peace. Maybe you don't have the feeling, the emotion of peace right now, but you know that you're in God's hands and it's going to be all right. You have peace. And if I could just say something about things from my perspective in that walk down the 7,000 stairs, there was something kind of really beautiful about it. I don't ever want to see my son in fear, but there was something really special about him clinging to me for every step. And I think sometimes, guys, as we pray, Oh, God, I want to be closer to you. I want to depend more on you. He goes, okay, we're going to the 500 section, and you can look out and see where we are, but I'm going to walk with you all the way down, and you're going to take every step with me. Do you need to take a step with the Prince of Peace tonight? Do you need to decide now, wait a minute, this is who you are. I know who you are. You are the Prince of Peace in my life, and I don't know if I have the emotion or the feeling right now or not, but that's the truth. Just like Landon, taking a step, surrendering to, submitting to, walking in who Jesus already is to you and to me. And so, what do you need tonight? Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Because the truth is, and what I want you to see here tonight is Jesus is both of these things. Jesus is the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. And what I want to ask you to do is run to him. Run to the everlasting Father. Run to the security and the faithfulness and the sacrificial love that he offers. Run to the Prince of Peace, the one who has made you right with God and the one who promises to take every single step of your life with you. I want you to think about which you need a little bit more right now. Out there in the lobby, we have our Christmas tree up again, and we got a bunch of little tags on the tree I encourage you to take the Everlasting Father one if that's what you need this week. Take the, the Prince of Peace one if that's what you need this week. You can put it on your tree at home or have it in your pocket or whatever you want to do. And some of you guys, man, you could just take both, you know, if you're greedy, I guess. You know I mean? You can grab now. It was cool. After the 930, this one guy pulled both off, and I walked out to the lobby. He goes, I'm greedy. I was like, go for it. <laughs> if you need both, you, you take both. And you follow the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace into what he has for you this week. And you might say, but Doug, I don't know how to like run to him. You keep saying, run to the everlasting Father, run to the Prince of Peace. What does that look like? Well, it's just like any human relationship. It's just talking to him. And we're, we as a church, man, we're on this campaign against the idea that you can only talk to Jesus at a certain time and in a certain place. 
Oh, I could talk to Jesus in church. Well, yeah, you can, but you could talk to him anywhere. Well, I could talk to Jesus, you know, when I'm having my nice holy time, when it's just me and him. Well, that's great too, but you could talk to him in school this week. You could talk to him at work. You could talk to him over the break. You could, I mean, please keep talking to him as many times as you need to whisper out to Jesus, the everlasting Father, this week. I pray you'll do it. As many times as you need Jesus, the Prince of Peace, this week, I pray you'll do it. Next week's our big week. Next week, we get to see tons of people put their trust in Jesus. Next week, tons of people who don't normally come to church are willing to show up. I encourage you, grab the invite on your seat. Grab more at the info desk on your way out. We're going to wrap up the series. Our team has some really big stuff planned for next week. It's going to be fun, but we're praying it's going to be incredibly powerful, too, as we land this Christmas at the movies plane. But I pray this week you will run to the God who loves you, the God who wants you, the God who never gives up on you, the God who sacrifices for you, the God who wants to be your peace. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then I pray tonight you'll put your trust in the Prince of Peace, the one who took your place, the one who made peace between you and the Father that you don't deserve, but that you still get. So if you're a follower of Jesus, man, this week, let's take a deep breath because, man, we know the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Let's pray together. God, we are... Truly in awe that you're so good to us and that you are these things to us. And so, Jesus, we come to you and, and we just want to talk to you about these two things real quick. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, can you just talk to the everlasting Father for a minute? Jesus, can you say, oh, Father, I just need your security. Jesus, I need your, your faithfulness. Jesus, I need that sacrificial love just to be made known to me in a new way. Or if you're needing the Prince of Peace this week to say, Jesus, thank you so much that this is who you are. You are already this to me. And I do pray for the emotion of peace, the feeling of peace. I pray the knots in my stomach will go away. I pray I'll sleep at night. I pray I won't sit and catastrophize out the window thinking about all the things that could go wrong. I pray for that, yes. But right now, I'm just going to submit to the truth that you are already this to me. You are already the Prince of Peace. I don't have to wait another second take a next step because you're holding my hand walking right with me if you're not a father of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him I'd love for you to pray with me now just silently something like this Jesus thank you for making peace between me and God Jesus son of God thank you for being willing to die in my place and rescue me thank you so much that you now want to be the everlasting father to me. And you want to be the prince of peace in my day-to-day -day life. Jesus, just show me what it is to follow you. Before we close in one last song, if we just keep our eyes closed for a minute, I just want to ask if you prayed that prayer for the very first time tonight, inviting Jesus to be your savior, can you look me in the eyes real quick? And the reason I ask you to do that is so we can pray for you. Anybody do that? Anybody tonight say, Jesus, yes, I need you. I'm desperate for you. I need you to be the one that rescues me from my sin and my shame. God, just continue your work, Lord. Thank you that you're doing great things. You're drawing people to yourself. Thank you so much that you are the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace.